going to get straight into it. Today, I am talking to Naveed Parvez, who is co-founder of Andiamo. We talk about lots of really interesting things like healthcare, providing services for people, empathy, leading companies, well-being, humans. It, it really, it was really broad and it, it was really wonderful. So let's get straight into it. So today I'm chatting to Naveed. And we've got some lovely goblets of, of drink that you might hear jiggling around in the background. How would you introduce yourself to people? Uh, so I was having a think about this. Mm. And I really hate that I've become the person who gets introduced as a CEO of a company. Yeah. Uh, like, really, what does that even mean? Well, it's, it's a really weird, wanky label. Um, so how do I introduce myself? Uh, I don't know. This is, this is going to go difficultly if I can't difficultly. Is that a word? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> if I can't well, introduce right. myself. Let's start with the company. All right, let's start with the company. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, so the company uh, is a company called Andiamo. Um, uh, Andiamo is a company that essentially was born from a belief that every human being on the planet has the right to to be able to move freely and without pain mm. um and that 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 doesn't mean about you know getting in cars and stuff like that so that's about your body being able to move that there should be no medical clinical reason why we 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 can't get you to to move to the maximum of whatever you can move to yeah and so i met Navid on an accelerator back in the day and so kind of had this privileged insight into kind of the, the beginnings of Andiamo, um, which was quite cool. Mm -hmm. um, and I also love the name because of the fact that it, it has this kind of wonderful Italian story associated to it in terms of like funding and, all kinds of coincidences. Uh, yeah, loads and loads of coincidences. Um, and also, I don't even know if I've told you the story. So the, the name, obviously, Andiamo came because the, the, reason, the, the, the whole company started because with the experiences we had with our son, Diamo. Um, and he was born um, in 2003, severely um, disabled because of medical negligence that, during labour. And that, that sort of started a whole journey uh, about us you know trying to work out what does it mean when you're you're suddenly you're not just a parent you're a parent of a child with uh, special needs and and all these other millions of labels that you start to start getting thrown at you um and so diamo's name um which in italian literally means to give uh, that's just literally what it means and uh, his name came about because uh, Sam and I, my my wife, family co-founder, business co-founder, <laughs> um, and I couldn't agree on names. And okay. we were sitting on the sofa at a friend's house and Interview with a Vampire was on. And there's a scene um, where Antonio Banderas, who's one of the uh, vampires calls to his friend Diamo and Sam and I looked and went, oh, 
that's a really nice name. And it stuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we've told that story loads and loads and loads of times. And then when we were looking for a name for the company, um, I, when I, sort of the, the day I had the, the, the idea and I came home like really, really late at night and was looking for a, a name for the company like one thirty in the morning and telling I love that that's always like okay I gotta name this thing I, no it was I came home one thirty like we've got a, we've got a, we've got a name for a company we've got to do it now I'm getting the URL yeah no it was I, I just read to the Twitter handles it was also it was very funny and I put in his name mm. into Google and the first thing that came up was Andy Armour which means let's go hurry up come on which was perfect because it was you know it was all about movement it was all about kind of getting on with things which was so much of the pain we had gone through with with Diamo's equi- uh, medical equipment. Um, now, because we've obviously told this story so many times, we I thought, you know, I, I, I really should check that scene. Nice, okay. Um, because it's like it's such a it's such an important part of the story now. So this is like ten years later, or, uh, or something. yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're ten, eleven years later, and we'd gotten it wrong. No, he had said. Andy Armo, let's go. Oh my gosh. Um, so full circle. Literally. Completely full circle. And it was, it was, so it, it was this really bizarre moment of we'd heard something com- r- close, but wrong. And, mm. and we, but we'd both heard the same thing. And it had nice, it, like, interpretation, like, to give. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why we kind of, we went, oh, what does that mean? And when we looked, I was like, oh, yeah, it's perfect. It's just, it's a really lovely, mm. um, and the, one of the reasons we were having so much trouble finding a name is I'm, I'm Mick, I was born in Britain, and but par- par- parents are mixed, Maltese, Pakistani, Sam's from the Middle East uh, with, a, with a mix of, of other parts of the world. And actually finding a, a, a name that works across multiple cultures and languages yeah. is really, really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, so, hard, it's hard enough. Trying to decide in one language, yeah. culture, you know. <laughs> exactly. Some of my friends, I'm like, "What have you done? <laughs> Why have you called them cupboard?" <laughs> uh, yeah, no, and it was just, it was just one of those that really uh, sort of. I, I, I'm, I don't believe in destiny. I, I don't believe in in that sort of stuff. Uh, but uh, running this company has has tested my uh, my my atheist beliefs. Mm. Well, I mean. it's quite chilling actually kind of well I don't know chilling sounds negative but like I got chills when when you're kind of describing how you got it wrong but at the time that initial misconception to give you know that's a really lovely sentiment for a child and you completely misheard it and you come back around to the same phrase and it's about getting going yeah and and at that time that was the exact right sentiment as well so you know it's the same phrase interpreted in different ways appropriately for the time yep a decade apart yep and so okay um i'm now doing that annoying thing like if we're at a dinner party i'm like oh tell them the tell them the, the, the story, story. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> story. please do <laughs> um hang on which is the story all right so i'm now going to tell half of it um so you had an investor early on oh that story mm. right yeah Okay, so this is the other whole kind of testing my 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 deeply held atheist beliefs. Um, we were in the first year of the company. Um, so I should, let me let me just sorry, let me take let me take a back step. Let me explain what we do. Okay, 
Yeah, like, we're, we're into like atheism. We're, 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 yeah, we're, we're, we've gone off on into some weird tangents as well. Um, so Diamo wore things called orthoses, and these are uh, bracing, custom bracing for his back, for his ankles, for his hands, and and uh, for his entire life. That, that they they made a massive difference to his quality of life. You know, without them, he couldn't sit up straight. He couldn't be fed. He would find it difficult to breathe. Um, he couldn't sit in a wheelchair. If he couldn't sit in a wheelchair, he couldn't leave the house. If he couldn't leave the house, we couldn't leave the house. Mm. It's all these knock-on effects. And the way you get these things is is you are you're literally pinned down and you're wrapped in plaster, and you're 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 forcibly held still whilst the stuff dries. It's a it's a really horrible process, and especially for a child who's non-communicative. Yeah. Um, doesn't know what earth is going on and you're suddenly slathering them in this wet horrible stuff and he hated it um and then these things would come back and it could take you know anywhere three four sometimes six months by which point he had outgrown it they didn't fit and yeah. all these it was a, you all couldn't these, even make it up no no it was you know and it's it was a real 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 struggle um to get these things right um and we started a company going, you know, there's all this new technology out there, there's 3D printing, there's all this stuff out there that makes this better. Um, and so we started a company that goes, it started with the, the, the whole, let's use 3D scanning instead of plaster. Let's use 3D printing instead of hand making these things, mm. which is how they do that at the moment. Um, and we can make these things way faster, more accurate, lighter, all, all, all this sort of stuff. Um, and we, to, to be honest, it, what we found, you know, we, we when we started it, it did start with a how on earth is two parents who don't really know anything about this industry, don't know anything about 3D printing and all this sort of stuff. You know, we kind of just suddenly had this idea and no one has mm. had it before. Why is no one doing it? And we started to realise that lots of companies had, had sort of tried, but because the businesses were built around the old way of doing things, the cost of sh- of moving to new technology was so high and so expensive and as they told me and i will never uh, forget uh we went to see a company and they go well no one pays me to be faster wow and we had a couple of conversations like that and and it was a realization that these people haven't felt the pain haven't yeah. felt the pain of of being stuck at home of things not turning up their child being in agony um and they they just didn't have the empathy and the the life experience and the motivation to to genuinely change things mm, mm. and so that's where kind of that's where where we came in um and we went and it started off the company was called project andiamo because we thought it would last a year and that we would like do some basic work and then do some consultancy and then would hand it over mm, mm. and it's turned into this much much bigger thing now so back to italy story uh first year Everyone loves what we're doing, but no one wants to give us any money. <laughs> the, the classic. The classic, like, you're amazing. I'm not going to give you any money, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, beyond our first investors, Bethnal Green Ventures, who were lovely and, 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 and little bits here and there. But what we were doing is hard and expensive, really hard, really expensive. Um, so we decided to do some crowdfunding. And we did the crowdfunding. We, we'd got some pre-commitments from some companies and... I think we, we were raising uh, 80, 80, I think it was 80,000 pounds. No, sorry, 60,000 pounds. Um, 
And there's a rule, which is if you hit 20% in the first two days, you're 90% likely to hit your thing. Yeah, I remember you brought this down to me. And then if you hit 50% in the first week, you're like 98% likely to hit your target. So we hit the 20%, amazing. And then 50% took a longer. Mm. I'm like, okay, we can do it. And then it just stopped. Like we just, the whole thing just, no one was, was putting any further pledges in. And we pushed and we pushed and we pushed and we pushed and it just wouldn't budge. Mm. And it, it, the, uh, it was a Sunday night and on, on the next Tuesday morning, the campaign was going to end and we were £30,000 short. And it was, there was just like, there was no way in a 36 hour period, we were going to magic up 30 grand. Mm. Um, and, you know, we were looking, it was like, if we don't get this money in, that's, you know, company's done. Um, and so I, I wrote the email and the messages and it was time to go out on Monday morning, just saying, we're still trying but it doesn't look like we're going to make it. You know, mm. thank you everyone for supporting us. All that that stuff, and it, I felt like shit. And I went to bed, um, and the 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 next morning, and like we'd got into this terrible habit of like checking our phones since we like. Has anyone put money in? You know, well, I mean, Twitter's bad enough. Twitter bad enough. Like, let, alone, well, let alone when you're looking at crowdfunding. Yeah. And I sort of in my groggy sleep. Um, I am looking at the Twitter and and the Twitter's going, oh my God, someone's put in £10,000. Oh my God, someone's put in... F-. And I'm and I'm half asleep and I'm going, what the hell are they talking about? Yeah. And then I'm still half asleep and then Sam shoves her phone in my face and she's just like, she can't, she's, not, she's not even, she's sort of squeaking at me, she can't even talk. Yeah, yeah. And then... I see the numbers jump from 30,000 to 62,000. And there's this immediate, like, what the, what, what's, huh? Yeah, how? Where, what? what, is there a mistake? What the hell's going on? And then it turns out one person had put in 30,000 pounds mm-hmm. overnight. And at first they didn't. They, they want to remain, remain anonymous. And when we finally, we did finally get to meet them, we had a chat and just, it was that, and I thought, is it someone we know? Have you seen us talking? They'd never met us. They'd, they had never seen us. And they were on holiday in Italy. And um, they were looking for a change in their career. And they couldn't sleep. It was like middle of the night. And they Googled. Um, innovative startups in London. Love it. And they were like paging through and we were like on page four or five. Of Google. I mean, who goes to page four or five on Google? Yeah. No one. No does. one. No one does. And the name Andiaba comes up and she was like, oh, I'm in Italy. And yeah, let me click on that. And then she saw the crowd and then she went, oh my God, who are, saw the video we created. And then she this was a couple of weeks before this all happened. She decided to keep an eye on us. And then she saw that we weren't going to make it Mm. and just decided that, no, I'm going to, I'm going to help them. I'm going to help them meet this. And so 
uh, again, this sort of crazy connection with the word Andy Armo yeah. triggered this person who happened to be an old lady in Italy. Yeah. To, yeah, there's all these kind of absolutely mental coincidences. Yeah, it's so wonderful. So have you had any other kind of uncanny Andy Armo moments? With the name or the company? With the name. Mm. Let me think. I'm not sure. It's just, what? Well, not that that's not enough. I mean, no, no, because that's quite a big thing on its own. It's just the way that you talked about it. Um, it's like there were more moments that were making well, you think, wow. Well, I think it's just like everything about the company. It, it um, I, I, The way I've described it is like, there's like an, a, a sadistic narr- narrator in the sky who writes our story. And if, if you watch this on TV or you read the book of what's happened to us, you would, you would go, bullshit. Mm-hmm. This is bullshit. This is Hollywood cheese bullshit. Um, but it, it, it's happened over and over and over and over to us. And I... And I'm not going to, we have created our own luck. We've, we've worked immensely hard to, to achieve what we've achieved, but there has been some like, just, yeah, really crazy coincidences Mm. and just being in the right place at the right time and, and all of that sort of stuff as well. Yeah. And I suppose when it's such a, it comes from such a personal place, those moments of luck must seem even more kind of, magical you know i could imagine if it was just you know a, a, a sock delivery business you'd be like oh yeah that's kind of cool you know like kind of cool that you know we we got that break but i i can see how it, it would feel even yeah it would feel really special um i i, I think the, the thing about startups to to be fair is everyone feels very very strongly about the things they make but yes mm. I, I i wouldn't disagree you know the fact that we started the company in, in the memory of not not just in the memory of our son, but in in the memory of the of the trauma we went through as a family, yeah. um, and that we made a decision to. You know the way we described it was, we we had a choice, and when the choice we decided to make was to turn that grief and that pain in into into something good and into. Um, we believed that we could, could we prevent any other family from having to go through that, that pain? Mm. Um, so yes, in that sense, when these things happen, um, it's, it's, uh, gratifying is not the right word. I don't know what the right word is. It's a very weird mix of emotions to say Mm. the least. Yeah. And so something that, I, I mean, I love the way you run the company, just like little little anecdotes that I tell about how you've done stuff, like the fact that you gave people a day off to vote. You know, just like small things. It's like that, to me, is a sign of the, that you're like common sense, values driven. It's really, it's really nice. But you describe, you describe the company as being, is it like empathy driven? What's the... Or, I remember the word empathy is, yeah. is linked to the way you like to do things. Um, so empathy is really, it's really, really deep in our company. And, but what does that mean? 
Um, it means so it it it, um, it shows itself in a couple of ways. Mm. So we're a medical company, and medical companies talk about patients normally. We don't talk about patients. We we do not have patients. We have families, and there are families who come to us. There are families who go through our service. And the reason we talk about families is the thing that's often forgotten about, especially when you talk about um, people who have a long-term condition. They're not. They're not sick. They're not sick in the sense of. I have a thing and I'll go to hospital and have some tablets and I'll get better eventually. This is the rest of their life. Mm. Um, and when, when they come to our appointments and they, they seek out our services, um, it's mum, it's dad, it's grandma, it's the carer, it's the, t- the teacher, it's the, uh, the, the siblings. Everyone is impacted by your decisions. Mm. And we, it's something that's been really, really important to us. So, so, so Sam, um, the decision we made right at the start of the company, when you start kind of going, what am I going to call myself in my company? Um, and it was really, really important to us that Sam, we still haven't quite found the right name for it, but it was sort of the chief family officer. Um, and she, the way she describes her role is that she's the guardian. She's the guardian of every family that goes that comes to us. Mm. Um, and healthcare is so often done to us. Yeah, I was just thinking like I'm an articulate white man, and when I go to the GP it can be really, it can be a really hard experience. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've been in hospital and I've had doctors come and try and touch me before introducing themselves, you know, like oh, really, yeah. It, it, yeah, it feels like you're a, a package on a, on a conveyor belt sometimes. Well, you know? no, well and, and uh, to be honest, you are, that's <laughs> yeah. a whole other, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's, that's a whole, that's a whole feeling. other conversation about like that the hospitals are actually based on, on, um, how factories were built and the industrial age, which is a whole other conversation. That's something to Google though. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 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 if you, so very, very briefly, um, and this is not just hospitals, it's kind of like a lot of the world, uh, the, 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 I hate the word paradigm, but I'm going to use it. Um, the, the models. Nice. Okay. The models that actually the, world runs on a lot of it is based on uh, the industrial age and factories and and conveyor belts and Mm -hmm. and you know good old adam smith and 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 specialization and all of that stuff and um that obviously got into healthcare especially when it came around productivity and efficiency and targets and all that sort of stuff and uh, I, I'm not saying that those are necess- inherently negative things. They're not. And they definitely have their place. However, the question that doesn't get asked is, what are you making productive? Mm. What are you making efficient? Because um, just because you've made something efficient doesn't automatically mean it's a good thing. Um, and, 
the reality is so many hospital processes are a conveyor belt. You're moved as quickly as possible down the specialist, the, you know, this specialist and this specialist and this specialist mm-hmm. and you're out. Um, so, yeah, if you feel like that, there there is a good, yeah. there's a real, there's a reason for it. And I was just thinking, how cool would it be if there was like a Joe advocate, you know, so like when I arrive in hospital, there's somebody there thinking, well, what is best for Joe? Is this, you know, yeah. um, is it really time for him to move down to the general ward or, you know, whatever? Um, so I can see how Sam's role is kind of like, well, it, it kind of, well, it actually reminds me of, as a, I'm going to drag it right back to being an educational psychologist. But, um, you know, quite often there are really busy meetings with very stressed people in a fast paced environment. And they're talking about how to meet need and da 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 da. And very rarely does the voice of the child ever enter the room. Yep. And and I view that as one of the core parts of my role is, well, hold on now. Like, how does X feel about this? Has anyone even talked to X about how they'd feel about this? And, you know, quite often that can be met as like a revolutionary idea. Oh my gosh, yeah, we should talk to X. It's like, how did we get to this meeting and not talk to X? <laughs> now let's take that a stage further. Let's take that to us to children who, and I'm... It's interesting because, and I, I used the word non-communicative earlier. Diama was not non-communicative. Oh yeah, as in maybe didn't use language. Correct. Mm. He, but he, he had his own language, mm. and it. We just had to learn it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and we we shortcut ourselves because it's we don't have a frame of reference for that communication. And, mm-hmm. and, and the reality is that each of these children, it's like, it's a language of one. Yeah. And it's damn hard to learn a language of one for thousands and thousands of children. Right. I'm yeah, not saying totally. it's easy, by, but so we start to use labels like what the, the non-communicative to give us the freedom mm. to start making decisions. Mm. And yeah, is that, I mean, it might even be well-meaning or well-intentioned, but it's still on their behalf, you know? Yeah, it is. Just because a child can't communicate in the way that you do, it doesn't mean that they don't have wants and desires. Yeah. Um, it doesn't doesn't mean that they don't know what they want. Um, Diamo uh, hated Aero chocolate mousse, but he loved goo chocolate mousse. <laughs> And you, you know, he made it damn clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you will know which one yeah. he's just eaten. No, you, you, you are not giving me no cheap ass chocolate mousse, right? Um, I love it. Um, and you know, it was damn clear about when he had carers who his favourites were, mm, and yeah, we, yeah. and and it was really funny because we saw how he would play them. It was hilarious. Um, but they didn't, and it took him a while to to learn, and and and. And I think what Sam does so amazingly well is to, and it's really tough. I, 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 I don't know how she, I couldn't do it, but she not only has the parents back, like I understand where you're coming from. I've got you, but she's, she, she's, she, she learns that language of one mm. and she does it every single time. Yeah. Um, because she she gets and understands that 
they're a part of this choice. Yeah. And, yeah. and if we just learn how to, and I don't mean listen necessarily in terms with our ears, there's a whole other way of listening. Mm. We can understand and, and, and um, we can start to deliver uh, uh, services. And, and that's another weird thing, right? Because it's, it, we, we, talk, we start talking about commodities. We're, we're going back to the word empathy. We're, we're giving dignity. We are doing the human thing, yeah. which should be the most natural, normal thing in the world. Mm. And yet we have to try and put it into these little discrete boxes. And I give you, I'm going to give you this much empathy now. Yeah. It's in this box. An optimal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're going to optimise the amount of empathy you're about yeah. to receive. And it's a, it's, it's, and, and just going back to the whole efficiency factory thing, we've, we've tried to, to piece all these things up into these quantified bits. And it just fundamentally doesn't make sense. And, and so one of the questions we, we ask ourselves is how the hell do you scale empathy? And, and, but that's also a weird question because, again, it goes back to the idea that empathy has to be delivered in these boxes. Mm. But it, when you start talking about businesses and scaling up businesses and scaling up services and, and trying to, like we are, which is we're going to solve this problem for every single person who needs this in the world. So we're talking about 100 million at least people. You sort of got to start thinking like that. But it's also a really bizarre way to think about something as amorphous, unique, and special mm. as something like empathy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the way you're describing it is it's a very one-to-one process. You know, you talked about a language of one. Empathy is, you know, quite often between... Well, I don't know, I suppose you could have empathy of a group, but um, it is an intimate experience. Yeah. And how and how do you scale that? You know, I suppose... It'd be something around the process as a, you know, um, and it's going to be tricky. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I love that. I, you, you made me think of this uh, psychology study which took babies and parents, really young babies, and the parents could be any age, and uh, they were looking at each other over Skype. So they're kind of in adjacent rooms and they're just kind of interacting mm. as normal over Skype. And at some point, the experimenter changed the Skype feed from live to kind of a minute ago. So it was no longer kind of live. It's kind of just previous interaction. Yeah. So you're still, if you imagine you're a parent, you're still seeing your baby and you, you might think it's them in real time, but actually it's kind of just some previous. So it's out of sync now. It's, it's not out of sync necessarily. It's just not it's not actually corresponding to real life. Uh, right, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you want to guess how long it took the baby to notice? I mean, I would assume it would be less than a minute. Point two of a second. Wow, okay. And do you want to know how long it took the parent to notice? I'm going to go with more than a minute. Um, okay, so I really hope I remember this correctly. I'll have to put it in the show notes, the real times, but I think it's a second. 
Okay. So really I'm, quick. I'm way wrong, but still, really quick, but still five times longer yeah, yeah, than yeah. the baby. Yeah. And and so that, you know, to me, there's a really interesting conundrum there because you have a really, the party that is really sensitive to attunement and how well connected you are has no power. And the party that yeah. is responsible for really facilitating the environment and all that kind of stuff has all the power and actually is five times slower at responding. Well, isn't that a microcosm of... <laughs> quite a lot of problems in, yeah. in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> the more power you have, the less you notice. Mm. So where, I mean, where are you at when you're thinking about scaling empathy? Like that, that this, I mean, this seems like a really broad thing. I, I don't know where the hell you'd be at, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even, I, I'll be honest, like, what does it even mean? Mm. Um, I, I, I can, I can, I can tell you what it feels like, but I don't know what the hell it actually means. Okay. Um, so what does, Okay. There are, so one of the things, we, we had an early experiment where we were looking at how do we, when you take an information from a clinician, because we're making medical devices and these medical devices are custom, they're supposed to do a certain thing. How do you take an information from a clinician around what they're intending to do and turn their intention into a physical device? Okay. So we're looking at, you know, how, how do you do patient notes and... Uh, clinical notes and all all these sorts of things that happen in in hospitals and, and with clinicians, um, and we we saw if you've ever seen any of these systems, they're like this awful love child of of an access database, um, which is you know it's just this is really crappy information architecture, but everyone's used to using it now. So this is a grid of information, and what we saw with clinicians is their eye sort of zips around the screen looking to pick out certain bits of information. It doesn't go in order of the information that's on the screen because mm. they, they know that I'm looking for name, date, condition, da 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 da, da. <clears throat> And then we said that that's a really crappy way of delivering information. It, it might be, again, efficient, but what what is it being, what information is being delivered in an efficient way. Is it having a, a, a negative effect elsewhere? So we did something really simple, which was, um, you know, uh, Nabil is is eight. Um, uh, so they so they go right. And their name's Nabil. Birthday condition is cerebral palsy. Um, oh, okay, they've had surgery six months ago. Okay, da 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 da. da. And they would then kind of create like a to do list. There's a here are the five things I now need to ask. And then we went, uh, how would a human communicate that information? Well, they would go, you know, doctor, Nabil is eight years old, uh, had surgery in his ankle six months ago. Um, Mum is concerned about this. His activity has gone up by, by this. Um, he really, really wants to go and go back to being able to play football again. Um, that's how a human would... It's the same information, but that's how a human... You wouldn't go, Nabil, eight. Mm-hmm. Mum, condition is, you, you know, you just, that's not how you talk. Yeah, yeah. And we went, oh, what, what happens if you turned that information in that grid into a sentence or a paragraph? Mm-hmm. And we did that. We tested it a few times. And the surgeon, it was, I was really surprised because the surgeon went, huh, you just made me think about this person as a person again. Just by the simple f- act of turning a list of information into a paragraph, a, a story, mm, a narrative, mm. 
Um, so I, th- I think, we think, that there are, there are things like that that, um, I don't want to say hack the brain because that's stupid. It's not hacking the brain at all. It's, it's going back to the way our brains are wired to mm. absorb information. Yeah. And my personal experience is when you absorb information as a narrative, you feel something. Well, what came into my head is you've taken it from being process-based to person-based, and I kind of just made that up on the spot. But what I mean by that is you're kind of scanning this grid for information. So you're like, okay, name, age, condition, recent treatment, what next? And yeah. that, that to me is just process. And I can imagine being really, really busy, flicking my eyes across the screen, you know, desperately trying to just grab this information. Yeah. Compared to reading a few sentences actually it's probably going to take about the same amount of time because of the fact that you know you don't have to read every single word you kind of just scan it yeah and yet you have this rich information about the person so it's all it's all couched in a story uh, and and i and i wager you'd be better remembering it because there are so many more links to yeah you know real real life than just arbitrary information but do we remember lists or do we remember stories? Well, exactly. Exactly. And, and I, yeah, I love that because, although, I mean, part of me thinks, the surgeons want to think of people as people? Uh, okay. Ah, right. Ah. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm not going to, uh, I, I, I can't sort of quote studies here, but um, my belief, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say, I, I'm pretty sure I've read some studies on this, but I'm not going to, pretend that I'm gonna I can quote them uh-huh. is so when I spoke to people who've gone through medical school, one of the core things that I have been told by especially by people who go in on to be surgeons is uh there is a belief that the empathy needs to be trained out of you. That you cannot make those cold logical decisions if you're feeling things. Mm. Um and uh, and part of that is uh, is a, a belief in hardening the person against all of the the the, the death and the awful decisions and all yeah. that stuff they're going to have to to kind of go through, and it's kind of seen as a kind of protective shell. Mm. Now, if I'm my my understanding is like so, rates of depression and suicide and and mental health issues are are abnormally high. In, in the medical profession. And I'm sure that a lot of that's got to do with hours and, and irregular shifts and all, as well as the actual trauma of the job mm-hmm. itself. But that, so that obviously, it hasn't created them some sort of super power where they're protected yeah. from this stuff. So, so it clearly doesn't have, it's not having the intended effect. Now, my, my belief is it, 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 there's, there's, it's quite possibly having the opposite effect it's switching off a fundamental part of your humanity mm. so you're finding it more and more difficult to deal with those things i also and this is a belief i haven't got the data i i i don't believe you make better decisions because you suddenly switch off your emotions mm. like it's interesting because you know the whole emotion thing is this kind of weird 
uh, thing that's become this, it's a feminine thing, it's a soft thing, and, and therefore it's not cold and logical, masculine and all that crap. Actually, for me, it's the other way around. Emotions are some of evolution's most powerful pattern-matching algorithms. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a nice way to put it. They help you shortcut so that you understand how you're supposed to react to certain situations. And of course, does it fail sometimes? Of course it does. Mm-hmm. Of course it does. Especially in our modern world. But can we not pretend that getting angry or sad or happy or fearful is in some, is this like we're being misprogrammed? Mm. No, that program is open over hundreds of millions of years and it works. Yeah. So, you know, intuition and gut instinct has its place. Emotions have their place. That It needs to be mixed with knowledge and logic and all of that sort of stuff. And we need to be careful that, it, it uh, about bias and all that sort of stuff but let's also not pretend that bias doesn't leak into all sorts of yeah. science and and uh and, and other supposedly cold logical areas yeah totally it does so um you know i, I deeply believe that empathy and, and all of these things and we're talking about scaling scaling empathy is a lot of it is about <laughs> uh, maybe it's about uh relabeling it right mm. you know and and calling it something else to help us get over the associations that that we have with you know when people talk about feelings uh it it, it tends to take on a negative connotation yeah yeah that that's so true there's this kind of oh well, yeah, you, but you only felt it, you know, that, that may have been your kind of irrational, uh, quick, quick, quick response. Whereas I'm going to hit you with some well thought through counter arguments, you know, or I'm going to provide you with like a different scale of perspective for your emotion. But you know what you made me think of when you're talking about the the drilling out of emotion is um the army and and the the need for a person to be able to respond in a, a trained manner yep. under high stress yep and you know i i've never done surgery but i imagine it's a really high pressure situation and you want to kind of achieve this baseline of performance and in some cases you're going to be going through a a, a really a uh, predictable sequence of actions. But I also feel that it would take so much energy to dissociate yourself from the emotions. And to do that on a consistent basis, I could imagine would not only be really draining, but it could make you feel really weird as a human because you have this kind of double double life. You know, sometimes you're a family person and, you know, you're connecting with your emotions and other times you're just like, aloof and detached from it and, and and actually you know that that could be in the diagnostic criteria for any number of mental health conditions is being detached from your emotions you know consistently over time and fiona talked about this in one of the earlier episodes the way that actually mental health in in medicine is really 
is a really difficult issue because they don't have the processes to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. And I kind of feel about using any emotional regulation strategy uh, for too long or in the wrong circumstances just means it's not going to work as well. You know, like sometimes distancing yourself from an emotion could be a good thing, but to do that all the time is going to sell you, it's going to do you a disservice over time. Yeah, I, 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 so let's take that soldier analogy, which is, is a good one in the sense that there is a reason why tours of duty don't last beyond a certain period of time. Because if you are in that high stress situation and you're in that, that I'm on, um, it, it is draining and it affects your mental health and it, and it has all sorts of knock on effects. You know, if you're the, the surgeon example, if you're in that super focused surgeon mindset where you've got to be, you know, super calm and so on, imagine being like that every minute of the day. Yeah. You, you 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 can't. So of course, game face on, absolutely. Mm, mm, mm. But it's for a period of time for a particular situation. Mm, yeah, totally. It doesn't automatically go because it's it's you know um, amazingly useful in this situation. Therefore, it's a pro. It's uh, applicable to all other situations. It's it's just simply not. Yeah. No. Totally. So what I feel like we've talked before about things that you want to change about the way that medicine is done or the way that healthcare is delivered. Mm-hmm. Are there any other things that spring to mind that you kind of feel like Andy Arm is going to be tackling soon or that you, you know, really wish you could see change? Um yeah, so I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm slightly arrogant, egotistical enough to think that we can, uh, first of all. Uh, so many Well, things. I mean, a few years ago, nobody was going to work with you, you know, in, in terms of, like, big printing companies or, like, consultants or da 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 you know? Uh, like... Yeah, that's... Okay, yes, that's also true. <laughs> but what I mean is... I, no, I, I don't mean that as, like, a... <laughs> keep it eager and check, yeah, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, you're a dick. (laughs) (laughs) What I meant is, in a very short time, actually, you have you have reshaped the word narrative again. Like you have reshaped the narrative, and that's and that's that's fair. Um, Sorry, I I I I try really hard to to self regulate my ego uh, (laughs) where where I where I can, and that's what means you're not a dick because you Um, try. I try. I don't. I'm not saying I succeed, but I try. Um, Um. so that's yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, it, it's interesting that it, it often keeps coming back to the word empathy, and 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 what that means. Um, and I think my two sort of favourite anecdotes of that was really really privileged. Last year we were invited to do um, a TEDx NHS, um, <clears throat> and. Uh, so that's like everyone in the audience is, is from from the NHS, and we we told our story, and I had uh, a doctor come up to me, and she she looked me in the eye and she just said, "You just made me re- rethink how I do my clinical practice," and it was such it was it was such a big statement. I I. 
I, I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And it's almost rhetorical, as in, what yeah. can you say to that? Oh, and then they, did, they, then they sort of disappeared. And, mm. it, and I, I wanted to know, because I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, but if sharing our story, and, and it's not just our story, it's Diamo's story. Um, if that changes just, if it, if it brings some conscious thought to what you're doing on a daily basis in a clinical practice, because mm. you, you, you can, as with, as with any profession, you can go into autopilot, mm. then that's, that's an, that's an amazing gift, um, in, in of itself. However, at a at a larger scale, um, and I, I had it from from someone today who's been monitoring this, this big project we've been doing, and and it's interesting because the, the the projects are all very technical and it's all about technology and it's all innovation and blah blah blah, blah. and and this person's a, a sort of a hardcore marine engineer. They do real kind of hardcore engineering. And he said, the thing that is so exciting about what you do, because the technology is amazing, but it's the humanity of what you do. It's the humanity of how you built, you've mixed these two things together. Mm. And he said, I don't think people realise how powerful that is, how deep that goes. Mm. And he said something really interesting. He said, I think you're going to build a way of doing work that you're going to go into other government departments and teach them and show them how to deliver services with dignity. And again, it was, it was this almost like a slightly overwhelming statement because it's not like we've set out to, to do that, Mm. but because we've, try to build a business and a service and, and technology with the family at the center, with the empathy at the center. It's, it's, it's meant we've, we've kind of create, we've created this really deep core and language and approach that people, and because we see it every day, we've forgotten about what that means. And then people who come from the outside go, this is so important. Mm. It's, it's, it's bigger than just the thing that you're doing. Mm. Now, what that means, I, I, I really don't know. I don't know what we do with that. I don't know how we, how we use it. I, 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 I don't even know if it's necessarily a good thing. Cause it might look like a good thing, but could be a negative thing. I don't know. Um, but I think the fundamental for me is, you know, healthcare has to be, um, uh, we've got to stop doing things to people. Mm. We have to do things with them, mm-hmm. one, and we we have to do, uh, it, we have to focus on the the, the family unit. And, 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 and I use family in its broadest sense, not, not necessarily a biological family, but everyone who's around that person and understanding how they, that entire interaction works and happens and reinforces you know care and health and people Mm. getting better um and all of these things and 
the places where we are <clears throat> good at it are, are things like palliative care and end of life care and and so it should be but why the hell are we not doing it across all the other things that we do yeah 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 and i suppose you know the stakes are so high with death and the yeah. lead up to death yeah but you could also argue the stakes are even higher when you're dealing with you know life and quality of life and, and all these kind of things you know it's like why why are we not applying the same principles earlier why are we saving the best of ourselves for the final moments mm. and, don't, and there's there's a little bit of me that that that, that there's there's some, there's some beauty in that that society has said do you know what that that is so important that we are going to do that and there's, there's sort of there's a part of me that appreciates the the kind of that i think there's something beautiful in that but there's also there's another part of me that just gets really angry because it's like what about the preceding 30 40 50 whatever years mm. yeah um it is why why are we so dismissive of um l- life before that point yeah i mean and you know we sit here uh in the midst of brexit and you, you what, had you, to bring it up i had to you know but, no but you made me um, <laughs> <laughs> you made me because the reason i thought of it was it's it's only when things really get serious that that people pull stuff out of the bag and you know who knows what's gonna get pulled out of the bag but like i think that sometimes humanity can leave it to the very last to be like okay yeah we've actually got we've got something for this um it's a very human thing isn't it to wait until everything's gone to shit yeah before that's how all the films go isn't it it's like they hit rock bottom and then the you know then there's the dawn or then there's the the love or you know whatever but it I, i know what you mean it's it's a it's a really beautiful thing that even in this really busy efficiency focused life and sector when we're talking about death actually it becomes or can become very human uh, and and it, and it and it seems quite what i know of palliative care is quite different from the the rest of healthcare yeah. but to me it also is my mind's boggling that yeah that that's amazing but surely that should be like the base level that we have across yes. yeah. you know and then palliative care could be even better than that you know who who knows what that would mean yeah. And, and 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 also because it's really easy when we talk about this stuff to sound like we're you know rubbishing the people who are trying their damnedest to 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 make things happen mm. and it's and and that's also re- what makes this conversation really tough because you know you'll get that but we're trying you know we're trying to do the best that yeah. we can and it's it's not a judgment and i think this is a, the the tough thing about all of this stuff it's not a judgment on um the people who are involved it's it's a it's a judgment on society and where it puts its value mm. because the truth is is like you can say whatever you want you choose to put money and energy and resources in certain places and where you choose to put it is is ultimately what a society we're saying is important yeah yeah and it's not about the, those individuals on the front line. It, 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 it's not their. F- it's, not, it's not about their. F- it's not their decision. Yeah. Um, it's 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 a much bigger system thing above that. Well, t- I mean, totally. And you know, you only have to meet 
a nurse or a doctor or whoever to realise they're not in it for the money. You know, they're there because they really care. In the UK, definitely not. And and they're you know they're within a system that can make it quite hard for them to can you know just for all sorts of reasons. I don't work in health, so I feel like I can I can say this, but I also think that what your marine architect engineer, engineer. marine engineer got so right is that I hear about human centered design all the time, or you know person centered design principles. I feel like everyone's talking about this, but actually getting that right consistently is really hard because yeah. you can feel like you're putting someone at the center of your thinking and you're not, you can feel like you're putting an archetypal person at the center of your thinking. And actually it doesn't represent, you know, that language of one that you talked about earlier, but really achieving that over time is hard. And, you know, wouldn't you, wouldn't you wish that other sectors did work like that you know i could really imagine that in 15 years time when andy armor is is doing its thing that people are like sam and navid can you come and help us replicate this similar kind of principle philosophy elsewhere yeah and that would be really 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 lovely starting with the army starting with the army (laughs) i would in my utopian world, I, I, I would love that there would be absolutely no reason for that to happen. Um, I, I guess the, re, the, the reality is I, I, I can't imagine society will, you know, fundamentally change in, in well, we'll see which, in which direction it will change, but um, where that's no longer needed. Um, yeah, it's... It, it, and I think just because it's, it, it's, it's where you start thinking about these things and so because because my job has become to think at things like how does this scale globally which is like this which is what every wanky startup in silicon valley um goes you know does it scale though um but when i start thinking about some of these quite amorphous at first take quite amorphous things and talk about how they scale um you it's really really easy to then fall into the trap of let's come up with the andy armor way of doing this the mm, the, yeah. the andy armor process the the, the whatever mm. and it gets packaged up and it gets, simple steps yeah and and you know just come along to our to our fifty thousand pound training course <laughs> yeah. um and we'll teach you how to be, to be a nice human being yeah um and it's I'm I'm trying, and there's a there's, there's me CEO who's got to go, you know, how do we make a sustainable business? How do we capture value? Blah 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 blah. All that stuff, all that business commercial stuff. And then there's the other part of me that go that that is, how do you create longer term sustainable um, change? Mm. And I don't believe you can do that by packaging something up and delivering it in a, in a, in a product. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's got to, I don't know what the other thing is, but it's got to be something else. Mm. I hear that. So how much can you talk about the future of what you want to do? Uh, I can talk about some of it. Okay. 
So what what does the future look like for Andy Armand? So, um, so the big thing for us is... Um, so right now we... We get make, to the end of that drink. We get to the end of that drink. <laughs> it's all the ice now. Um, businesses around the world, right, and this is, this is healthcare and all sorts of other things, are based on activity and moving product, right? So if you're a pharmaceutical, you move tablets mm. and drugs. If you're a medical device company, you move medical devices. <clears throat> if you are a, a clinician, you do things. You carry out procedures. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and there's been a, a, a conversation going on for decades around the move to outcomes, i.e., you know, it's not about the thing I do to you. It's the thing. It's the quality. It's improving your quality of life. It's the outcome we're trying to achieve. Uh, so, for us as a company right now, we we create three D printed orthoses. Um, that's what we do. But all an orthosis is is a very efficient way to deliver a particular type of outcome. Mm. So the the future for us is about building a company that delivers outcomes. And that's all we should care about. Um, Because as soon as we become a company that all it does is deliver devices, uh, orthoses in this particular example, then that's potentially all we'll ever be. And there will be better ways of delivering these things. There will be a better way of achieving these outcomes. Mm. So the future that I care about really, really deeply is how do we build a company that it, the, the value it's trying to create is completely and always aligned to you. Because it's so easy to create a business that extracts from you um, and takes your money, and it will, I, will, I will give you things, but my incentive is to keep giving you things. It's not necessarily to make sure you've never got to come back to me. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I suppose, the difference between how can I deliver this outcome versus how can I deliver this thing is stark because if I'm all about delivering things, I'll be like, how can I get it to them quicker? How can I make them want them less frequently or, you know, whatever it is instead of being, what is the best way to achieve this outcome? Yeah. And, and, and and that, what that means again, not sure. Mm. I'm not sure what that business model looks like. I'm not sure how that works in different countries that that pay for healthcare in different ways. I, I just know. So for me, it's it's actually a really simple. It's funny actually. I, got, I, got, I actually got asked this question today, and <clears throat> it was like, "Oh yeah, what's your business model? How does this all make sense?" And I said to him, "It's actually a simpler question and a simpler answer, which is, if we don't, we're screwed." If we don't, every country on this planet is going to bankrupt itself with with healthcare bills. 
if we don't, we are never ever going to be able to achieve the 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 levels of um, equality in our society that we need. Mm. In, if we do, and this goes into you know the climate crisis and all these sorts of it, it, it for me it's, it's just become a very very simple choice, mm. which is if we don't find a way of moving to that and 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 revaluing or or. Uh, delivering these services in different ways, paying for these services in different ways, valuing them differently, all all of these things that need to change, there is kind of catastrophe on the near horizon. It's not theoretical anymore. It's not a dystopian novel. It could be in our lifetime. Mm. Mm. Sorry, that's a bit depressing. Yeah. I don't really know to get, where to go from that. I don't know. That's a... <laughs> Apart from to Andy Armour. <laughs> so if you, I suppose I'm imagining lots of people listening to this who don't know much about healthcare, they're interested in Andy Armour. Are there any kind of cool websites or books that can help them understand a bit more about the area? Um, so I'll start with a non-healthcare, which is something called Donut Economics, um, which is an amazing uh, book about re- reimagining economics of the world we're in and, and realising that, you know, the earth as a biosphere, you can't just keep taking stuff out of it without mm. it collapsing mm. and, and, and around creating kind of <clears throat> equality and, and, and justice and and understanding how all these things interact, uh, of which healthcare is a critical part of that. You know, mm. the eighty percent of the world population can't access or afford the healthcare they need. So it's, it's it's a terrifying sort of number. Um, there's a, a, another amazing book, which I'm just looking at my bookshelf to see if I can see it. I think it's called. <clears throat> when when people matter huh um and it's an amazing book written by anthropologists who go around the world and tell the stories of various well-intentioned um um healthcare uh, activities that have had negative effects and telling telling those stories, those individualised stories, because one of the things they talk about is so many healthcare um, policies and and uh, NGOs and all these sorts of things, they are spreadsheet exercises. Mm. I say it works in a spreadsheet. Um, and and it's an, there's an amazing example, I think it's in Brazil, where they, they, they kind of, um, they make this, this drug um, affordable, great, fantastic, and everyone starts cheering about, you know, hey, we've increased healthcare. Except they don't communicate this to the pharmacies uh, properly, and the pharmacy coverage is so poor. You've got uh, some for for a lot of people. They've got to travel a day or two days to get to to a pharmacy or a pharmacy that carries that drug, and then they get to the pharmacy, and the pharmacy goes, "Well, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Since when is this free? No one's told me." So that whole policy just falls apart. Mm. Uh, because they haven't kind of thought through all the downstream stuff and the, hey, someone has to travel, and if you haven't communicated to the pharmacy and all these sorts of things. So, so, so it was a fantastic yeah. um, 
uh, book. So those those are two very very powerful one, uh, uh, and then I think pretty much anything written by Ben Goldacre, um, who's just an absolute legend. Yeah, for real. And where where can people find you and Andy Armour? Uh, so you can find us uh, on Twitter at Andy Armour HQ uh, or uh, Andy Armour HQ on Facebook as well, and then uh, AndyArmour.io is our website. Boom. And there we go. I'd really love to hear your thoughts on today's episode. And if you have any thoughts on Andy Armour, you can contact them on the details they provided, which are in the show notes. If you want to get in touch or show love for The Sizzle, you can find us on Twitter at The Sizzle Pod. Do follow us and you'll stay in the loop as to when we release episodes and you'll also get information about guests that i tweet out that i think you might like to read please do share the episode let people know about the sizzle and we can keep growing Sizzle.